The Leach Report Radio Network is on the air with the voice of the Wildcats, Tom Leach. This is where the Big Blue Nation comes for the latest news and views on the Cats. Interact with the show now by tweeting at Leach Report or email leachreport at gmail.com. Call us at 877-904-1080. Now, the voice of your Wildcats, Tom Leach. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the show from Music City, Nashville, Tennessee. In the mobile Clark's Pump and Shop studio, we are set to talk Kentucky basketball and football with you for the next hour. And we are going to do that with Jack Goose Givens, the U.K. Hall of Famer. You hear him with Buzz Baker on the pregame show, which will start at 5.30 Eastern today. Larry Vaught from VaughtsViews.com. And Kevin Ingram, the radio play-by-play voice of the Vanderbilt Commodores, Kentucky's opponent tonight. Wildcat News of the Day is presented by Giuseppe's of Lexington. We'll start with the national championship game. Georgia rallied in the fourth quarter to defeat Alabama 33-18. to Dogs had taken the lead only to have a fumble set up Alabama in the red zone for its only touchdown and an 18-13 to lead. And so from there, the uh, Bulldogs proceeded to open it up and zip the ball down the field, throwing it, went ahead, and then added another touchdown and then a pick six late for their first national championship since 1980 when Herschel Walker was a freshman. And so now Georgia has finally gotten the Alabama monkey off its back, and Kirby Smart has finally defeated his mentor Nick Saban after four tries. Um, I, I was rooting for the dogs. That's who I, um, I picked Georgia the last time, and I stuck with them this time. I kind of you know, thought that that defense was so good that I didn't think Alabama would carve them up twice, and uh, Bama moved the ball well, but when they got down to the red zone, Georgia was able to, to force field goals instead of allowing touchdowns, and uh, that was uh, was huge for the dogs. Tonight, here in Nashville, Kentucky takes on Vanderbilt. 7 o'clock Eastern time tip. Both games were close last season. Seven points was the total margin of victory through two games. Big question for Kentucky is the status of Xavier Wheeler. Nothing, as we would have expected, nothing came out of the news conference yesterday because uh, John Calipari uh, wasn't doing it. Um, So I don't think any of the other coaches or players are going to make that announcement for Cal. And so... Uh, you'll get the word when we chat with him on the pregame show tonight, uh, roughly about a half hour before the ball game tips off. If Wheeler can't go, Ty Ty Washington comes off a record-setting game running the point. But also remember that Georgia shot 49% from the field in that game. Kentucky was great offensively, but in the two games they've played on the other team's home court where the tempo was slowed down, uh, they scored in the low 60s, 60 or, or the low 60s, in the losses against Notre Dame and LSU, uh, as opposed to the 85-plus they've been scoring in home games. So if Wheeler's not out there and Kentucky needs to be better defensively, that's going to be interesting because they face one of the, the top guards in the league, Scotty Pippen Jr., and uh, Georgia's 49% was the highest uh, anybody's shot against Kentucky uh, since the uh, Duke game when they shot 52, 
and uh, those two games, 49% by Georgia, 52% by Duke, uh, well above what anybody else has done this season. So uh, this could get in- interesting if uh, Kentucky has some defensive issues against Scottie Pippen Jr. Uh, we'll see last year, you may remember the game in Lexington, uh, Jacob Toppin uh, was a guy they put on uh, Pippen, and uh, he defended him exceptionally well. So maybe that could be an option tonight if uh, if they run out of uh, de- de- defensive measures to control Scotty Pippen Jr. So just keep an eye on the, that storyline uh, for this game. And then, you know, can Kentucky uh, get rolling offensively? Uh, last I heard, students were not going to be allowed to this into this game tonight uh, because of uh, COVID precautions. So uh, that could change uh, the environment uh, a bit as well for Kentucky and Vanderbilt. Good news for Kentucky football yesterday. DeAndre Square and Chris Rodriguez announcing their returns. So Kentucky's really loaded at that inside linebacker spot now with Square and Jones coming back. And then you've got uh, Trevin Wallace heading into his second season. Uh, Martez Thrower, Derek Jackson, who came back uh, earlier than expected from uh, his injury, and uh, fortunately so because they really needed his uh, outstanding play in the bowl win. Kentucky drops number 18 in the new Associated Press College Basketball poll, 17 in the coaches poll. The U.K. women fall to number 19 in the AP poll. And Ty Ty Washington named Freshman of the Week in the SEC for a third consecutive time after setting the single-game assist record at U.K. He's the first player to win that honor three weeks in a row since Devin Booker did it back in 2015. Links to the stories that we talk about each day can be found on the Bud Light Leach Report page at TomLeachKY.com. Our Wildcat News of the Day, presented by Giuseppe's of Lexington, with live jazz music to accompany your meal every night. Go to Giuseppe'sLexington.com to make a reservation to see the menu, fresh steaks, uh, fresh seafood, hand-cut steaks, and wonderful homemade pasta at Giuseppe's. They have a drive-up window, too, so you can take it home with you giuseppeslexington.com. We'll be right back with Goose Gibbons on the Leach Report from Nash. Look for the Leach Report on Facebook. Show updates, contests, and other cool stuff. Check it out today. Welcome back into the show. Jack Givens joins us. You hear the goose with Dave Baker on the pregame show. It'll start at 5.30 Eastern today as Kentucky is here in Nashville to take on the Vanderbilt Commodores. Obviously, one of the storylines, Goose, is always the unusual setup at Memorial Gymnasium and uh, the benches down at the end of the floor and you got to uh, run up to half court to, to check in from down on those benches and all that extra space on the sides, etc. cetera. Um, did you like playing there or not? Um, I didn't like playing there quite as much, Tom. Um, and and the main reason was because Vandy was always so fired up when Kentucky came to town. It was never um, an easy place to play, uh, a lot because of the fans. But um, uh, the court and all of that figures into it, of course. But you always knew you had to be ready to play when you went down to Nashville. And I think we we did win most of the time, but... Still, it was uh, uh, tough games when we went down there to play. So that was the thing I liked least about uh, Nashville and Vanderbilt. 
Uh, and then I don't think no, you guys didn't. We, there was no SEC tournament then, so it would have just no, been the regular no. season games. You didn't, didn't play any postseason games here, did you? I never did. Never did yeah. play any postseason games there. Uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, this game tonight. I was just saying that um, Kentucky has not uh, put a lot of uh, points up in the two true road games they played, Notre Dame and LSU. One of those, uh, Wheeler got hurt in. The other one, he didn't play well. And they really didn't get out and, and run. And uh, the other team was able to, to slow the game down. Um, Vandy, uh, I think only one team has scored above 75 on Vandy. So this could be a, a similar kind of approach. What's Kentucky got to do better with or without Wheeler tonight? Well, um, you know, you talk about the tempo of the game and how Kentucky, uh, in the games, they look best. They have been able to control the tempo. Um, Notre Dame, they did not control the tempo. Kentucky did. Notre Dame did. LSU, partly because of Wheeler, but uh, also because LSU uh, played well, uh, they were able to control the tempo. But, uh, Tom, I think it's even more important for Kentucky to rebound the basketball. I mean, that's the way you get the tempo of the game up to where Kentucky really wants it. If you think both of those games, Notre Dame and LSU, I think Kentucky was out-rebounded at Notre Dame, and they might have tied rebounding at at LSU. So the extra possessions that are created through rebounding the basketball, and really on both ends of the floor, because you're going to need some second-chance opportunities too, uh, but I think when they rebound the ball well and when they're able to get the ball out on the break, um, I, I don't care who is at point guard spot. It's going to give you more opportunities to get up the floor. That's part of what happened in this last game against Georgia. I mean, Kentucky, there weren't a lot of missed shots because uh, neither team defended well. But when there were misses, uh, it enabled Ty Ty to get the ball in transition and up the floor. And, of course, he gets the assists and guys are making shots. So rebounding the basketball is going to be really big again tonight. Yeah, to your point, I think uh, the rebounding number separated in Kentucky's favor in the second half of that Georgia game, and that's when they opened the game up. Exactly, exactly. So. Uh, so that's going to be another key issue. And believe me, Vandy understands that. They see the numbers and they know the games Kentucky has struggled are the games they didn't dominate on the glass. And they kind of kept Oscar down a little bit in the rebound total. So they'll try to do that again tonight, I'm sure. If uh, Wheeler does not play, uh, talk to us about uh, the challenge of going up against Scotty Pippen, Jr., well, that challenge is going to be there even if uh, if Wheeler does play because I, Wheeler won't be matched up against him. I heard you say uh, Toppin played well and on the defensive end trying to uh, stop Pippen Jr. and um, and they'll need to run a few people at him again tonight. Uh, Scotty is able to shoot over people, as you know, so the length that uh, a Toppin brings is is really key. And of course, Toppin is quick enough to get out there and and defend him at the two or three position wherever he's lined up. So uh, that that's going to be really, really big. Um, I don't know. I, I think it's going to take a whole team effort. Uh, Pippen, he can beat you by himself, but it's always those other guys who knock down the unexpected threes down at Vandy that 
seem to cause a whole lot of problem to Kentucky when they go in there. So defending the three-point line is going to be important again as well. Fanny lost on Saturday to South Carolina, but uh, before that had won four straight. So um, they are uh, seemingly playing better right now. Uh, but I think they have lost four times at home already this season, and they yeah. won't have students there tonight uh, because of the COVID protocols. And I would think with those maybe some extra tickets available, Kentucky fans might get some of those. Well, you know Kentucky fans are going to show up there. They always do, and, and it'll be a lot of blue in the in the house. Um, I'm going to say the South Carolina loss that Vandy's coming off of was possibly looking ahead to having Kentucky at home uh, yeah, the next game. Sense. So anytime a team loses going into the Kentucky game, the game before, I always like to think, man, they, they, they're looking ahead. They know uh, at that time they might not have known that uh, – uh, students would not be in there. So they're thinking, well, the, the house is going to be rocking and it's going to be loud and we have Kentucky. And if I were c- coaching Kentucky, that's what I would I would tell my team. I would say, look, <laughs> they already looked past you. They lost the uh, South Carolina team that's not great. But now they've lost four games at home, which is unusual for Bandy. So everything is setting up well for Kentucky when it comes to uh, them executing and doing what they've been able to do. But once again, it's all going to start on rebounding the basketball. That, that, that's an important stat going into this game tonight. Kentucky's got a uh, quite a brutal stretch of Saturday games oh, man. coming up. Yeah. Tennessee's at home, but most of these are on the road. They'll, they'll go to Auburn the next weekend, Kansas the next weekend, Alabama the next weekend and at Tennessee the next Saturday. Oh, um, so <laughs> just uh, oh. you know, so it's a, it, it just kind of underscores the importance of taking care of business in a game like this one because you don't want to have you know, don't want to have to lose one you should have won and then try to make it up on one of those one of those places. Well, you know the the, the thing that happens in a situation like uh, like this is you lose tonight. Um, you have to win really two on the road, Tom, to make up for this loss. I mean, it's not like it's a loss for loss. I mean, because, you know, you're going to take care of business at home, you think, and you hope. But, you know, when you have a team, and, and to some extent, the LSU game, even though Wheeler got hurt, the LSU game falls into that. That's one Kentucky should have won, could have won, and just found a way to lose it. Um so now you know you gotta you gotta figure out how to win too. But regardless of of how those games are stacked up, Tom, it is time for Kentucky to start establishing how they're going to play and winning games on the road. I mean, it, it's that time of the year. Every game is going to be tough. The home games are going to be tough. So you have to figure out how to get things done close to what you do at home. You're not going to average the same number of points, but you do have to get to where you're running your offense, where you're stopping people, especially on the road, stopping people defensively so that you can start win some of these challenging games. It's not going to be easy by any stretch, but Kentucky, it's time that's that time of the year. It's on you to figure out how to win some of these road games coming up. They used to talk about, I mean, every team gets into, you know, little quirks and it could have to do with the schedule or, or whatever. You guys would always play such a, a brutal early schedule. 
And then there was always people talked about the January slump. Did you guys ever talk about that? Oh, absolutely, Tom. Absolutely. And we all went through it. Um, (laughs) I mean, number one, it's it's really, really difficult for freshmen uh, because, you know, you get into January and now you've played, uh, you know, what, 18, 19, 20 games and you look at the schedule and you can't see the light at the end of the tunnel. So now you have to figure out how to get through the next couple of months. I mean, it's really different, difficult. And it's, and it's very apparent that teams go through it. And certainly when you get on the road and every team you play is fired up to play against you, it gets really, really tough. Jack, appreciate the time and uh, look forward to hearing you and Buzz tonight. Thank you, Tom. 26 past the top of the hour. We're heading to a break. Larry Vaught will join the program when we return. We're served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington. You'll find them in the Hamburg area and in the Palomar Shopping Center for breakfast, brunch, or lunch. Nobody better than Wild Eggs. This is where the Big Blue Nation gathers. It's Talk Radio 1080 and the Leach Report, followed by Kentucky Sports Radio. 28 past the top of the hours, we welcome in Larry Vaught from VaughtViews.com and YourSportsEdge.com. And uh, Larry Vince Mara was uh, tweeting about, uh, in reference to Atlanta, as some of these decisions come in positively for Kentucky on guys returning. Uh, and now all you have to do to get to Atlanta is go through the defending national champion, right? Pretty, pretty awesome, isn't it, Tom? And uh, SEC just never, never, never lets up. And been great recruiting news and everything for Kentucky. And then you watch Georgia play, and you think, wow. So, but that, that's what you sign up for at Kentucky. And it was quite a game last night, and been quite a forty-eight hours for Kentucky football with with, with these players they've got returning for next year now. Yeah, most recently uh, DeAndre Square, Chris Rodriguez. I think both of those were expected, weren't they? Yeah, I think I think so too. I, it wasn't definite, but I, th- I think Chris had made it pretty clear that uh, there's a really good chance he was going to come back. And I think DeAndre, the same with him. And then uh, when you got Jordan Bright, Jacques Jones, both to come back. Also, when you throw in the Will Levis announced for the bowl game, he's going to be back. I mean, I think that's about as <laughs> as, as good as you could have hoped for among all those guys. So it's now that Kentucky defense looks really, really solid. For next year, linebacker group ought to be really good, you think? Absolutely. We'll continue chatting with Larry Vaught when we return halfway home on this edition of the Leach This is the Leach Report on Talk Radio 1080. You can interact with the show via Twitter at Leach Report. Now, here's Tom. Coming to you from the Clark's Pump and Shops studio. Return, refresh, and refuel at Clark's Pump and Shops and the Clark's Main Street Market in downtown Lexington where they host the Sunday morning sports talk show with Jack Pilgrim, Anthony White, and the gentleman we are talking to at the moment, Larry Vaught, every Sunday. Uh, Larry, we were talking Kentucky football. We'll continue on that vein. Um, Kentucky next season uh, will be, we were talking about Georgia, Georgia at least, uh, is going to be losing some key pieces. They'll have a new quarterback, and they'll lose some some key guys off that stellar defensive unit. Um, You will get them in Lexington, and there are scenarios where you could get to the East, uh, get to Atlanta by winning the SEC East without beating Georgia, but 
there, uh, you know, much more of a long shot. You're basically going to have to to beat the dogs to get there. And uh, for the first time, it seems maybe in a, in a while, Larry, Kentucky on, on paper looks to be trending both on the offensive and defensive sides uh, on an uptick. So they have about everything lining up that they could hope to line up in their favor other than the fact that Georgia's just really good. Yeah, that's exactly right, Tom. I mean, Kentucky, everything is trending in a direction you would certainly want it to. I mean, there's nothing to look at that you could say, well, this could just happen. I mean, just about everything that could have happened has happened right for Kentucky. Now it's just a matter of how good will Georgia be again next year. And, yes, they do lose a lot, but they've got a lot of guys they bring in every year that are really, really good. And, and with the transfer portal, you never know. Who else may just show up in in Georgia for next year too? That's kind of the right. unknown now. I mean, you think you know, but by the time they get ready to play, they could have three, four guys that we're not even thinking about right now. Could suddenly decide, well, yeah, I see a spot now. I can have an opportunity to play to, for the national champion. I'll just run on down to Athens and play a year or so. So, but it it, it should be quite a matchup when they get to Lexington, or I sure hope it will be in, in the atmosphere. In late November, ought to be um, electric there at, at uh, Kroger Field because this is a big, big opportunity coming up for Kentucky. And just knowing that you got the national champion in your division in the SEC, I mean that that gives you a lot to uh, kind of inspire you during the off season here. Kentucky uh, picked up an important addition, the uh, young man from Ohio State that's transferring in at defensive end, uh, a spot that they. Could have used a little more depth, and now they have it. Yeah, a top 100 player coming out of high school, Darian Henry Young, was a really, really good player. It kind of guess just got shuffled behind other players at Ohio State. Only played in four games in two years. A guy that Kentucky tried to recruit coming out of high school, and again, I think it just shows the value of Vince Merritt never burning bridges. And now you pick up a top 100 player that you would think, well, could slide him right in there in Josh Pascoe's spot, but even if he doesn't slide in there as your starter, just to add another body into that defensive front that looks like as good as what he is, that's a big, big addition. And, and like I say, it's called the transfer portal. I just kind of call it just like the free agent market. I don't think anybody has used that better the last two years than what Mark Stoops and Vince Mara have. No, you're right about that. And one of the guys they, they landed – uh, this past season was Will Levis, and now Kentucky is an, another positive for Kentucky heading into this next season is that they're going to have one of the, the better quarterbacks in the SEC. And uh, you wrote uh, recently at uh, YourSportsEdge.com and VaultsViews.com about uh, some comments from Liam, Liam Cohen and the, the challenge of uh, he, him and uh, Will Levis trying to take this thing to an even higher level. Yeah, because we kind of forget that they really that they didn't get to have an off season together last year because Will was so good this year, and and now they get to work this whole off season together, and and I think Will will be a a, a better quarterback next year. But in fairness, I think probably Liam will be a better offensive coordinator too because he he came in and had to adjust the college game and and what he had and kind of had to work with what was here. Now he's had a, sh- a chance to develop guys that are here, go out and get some guys that he thinks fit his system e- even better. So I think Will will be better, but I think Lynn will be a lot better as an offensive coordinator too. And, uh, of course, they don't have Wondell Robinson. <laughs> that, that's a big 
something that you've got to try to come in there and find a way to compensate for, but they've got a transfer coming in. They've got some really good recruits coming in, and maybe they've got a guy or two on campus just waiting for his chance to to be in that spotlight. Maybe he'll fool us, but uh, other than Wandale replacing him, they seem pretty set everywhere else. These reports served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington. We're talking with Larry Vaught from Vaughtsviews.com and YourSportsEdge.com. We'll uh, switch to Kentucky basketball and uh, a story that uh, you have up at your site about uh, a road win being huge for Kentucky. Kellen Grady yesterday said, quote, we need to come up with a win on the road just for our collective spirits. So you followed up with uh, a question about that. Yeah, I wanted to know what that means that they didn't have confidence right now in himself, that they were kind of questioning themselves. And he said, no, he didn't mean it exactly that way, just that getting road wins and the SEC was big and they just needed to show that they could close out a, a win on the road, which they weren't able to do at Notre Dame, weren't able to do at LSU. So I do still think from a confidence standpoint, yeah, they believe they can do it, but believe me, you can do it, and doing it sometimes aren't quite the same thing. So I think they need to be able to, to, to close one out and win one at Vandy. And, and Vandy's a team that Kentucky has what, won 10 in a row against, but in the majority of those 10 wins, Vandy's had a decent lead at some point during the game, and it's not been easy for Kentucky. And and tonight it's going to be a little bit different there, Tom, with no students. Really? Yeah, it's exactly, true. I don't know exactly what that'll be like, but still it seems like nothing ever comes easy for Kentucky at Vandy. I think it's important for Kentucky. This will probably be a game a, a little more like you know Notre Dame and LSU in terms of uh, you know Cal wants to score seventy five or eighty a game. He talks about that being the, the standard you you need to hit these days in college basketball. Uh, if you look at Vandy's profile, it'll probably be hard to get to that number. So uh, can Kentucky? Um, Kentucky's got to be able to, to win those kinds of games, too, because you figure to face them some a game or two like that somewhere along the way in the NCAA tournament. Yeah, I, I, I doubt it'll be quite as physical as it was at LSU. I don't think that'll be the issue, but the pace is certainly not going to be geared to be a 90-83 game, I don't think. But then again, maybe Kentucky can find a way to force the pace and make it get, get up there some. But if, if they just make shots, I mean, Oscar's awfully solid. Inside, if you're just making shots outside, when Davion came in the last game and was just sensational, and he was pretty good at LSU the game before, so if he's kind of back to the Davion Mintz that we saw last year, I really like the energy and the scoring he brings off the bench to him, and I think that just kind of gives him that little different dimension to kind of just get totally over the hump in, the, in these games. So, anxious to see how it's going to go tonight, and I think it's a, a kind of a big game. Again, just from a confidence momentum standpoint, well, then you got Tennessee coming in Saturday, so you go in tonight and you knock off Tennessee, and I think you're starting to feel pretty good about yourself again. Yeah, I was just talking with Goose about this stretch of Saturdays coming up, all ranked opponents, Tennessee, Auburn, Alabama, Tennessee again, and then you sprinkle Kansas in there along the way. Um, yeah, forgetting Kansas for the moment, just the SEC, you know, We'll see how many teams end up being ranked as they beat up on each other. But is this the most teams the SEC's ever had ranked at one time, do you think? If it's not, it's got to be close because I can't remember it being like this. And, and I know we talking about that stretch of Saturday games when the season started. 
I would have never thought that the one at Auburn might be the most difficult of the bunch because yeah. Auburn's been r- really good and then playing there. They're really, really good there. So, yeah, I think the SEC's basketball just continues to get better and better. The, the recruiting gets better and the results get better. So it's going to be a tough grind for, for Kentucky. I mean, as, as Tennessee found out at LSU right after Kentucky did, it's not going to be easy to go a lot of these places and win. LSU's really good at home, so when you get a chance to get road wins, you better get them. That's what Kentucky needs to do tonight. They certainly don't need to let this one get away from them. You can read Larry Vaught's coverage, the stories we were talking about, and more at vaughtsviews.com and yoursportsedge.com. Thank you, Larry. All right, Tom. It's the Leach Report, and when we come back, we'll get a little scouting report of the Vanderbilt Commodores from their radio play-by-play voice. Kevin Ingram here on the Leach Report Radio Network. Find out more about the Voice of the Cats and get great coverage of the Big Blue at TomHKY.com. 13 away from the top of the hour. We're here in Nashville where Kentucky will take on Vanderbilt tonight in an SEC road tilt for the Cats. And Kevin Ingram is the radio play-by-play voice for the Vanderbilt Commodores. Uh, And he joins us now to uh, talk about this matchup. Uh, No students in the house tonight. Um... Have there been students at all this season in game in home games? Yeah, Tom, uh, there actually have been. Uh, before Christmas break, there were students for, for the home games before then. But, yeah, it'll, uh, you kind of feel bad for the students uh, being unable to, uh, to come to the games, at least for the next two or three home games. Uh, we'll see if it changes maybe with the COVID situation uh, settles down a little bit. But, yeah, that's uh, uh, tough and unfortunate that uh, those folks won't be able to pack that little section there right next to the court to, to the right of where we will sit. Yes, I uh, always uh, see them there on the benches uh, right next to, just to our right. Uh, what was it like uh, on Saturday when uh, the South Carolina game played out? Um, it, yeah, there's a pretty good crowd in there. I'd say there's maybe 5,000 or so. Um, you know, We had some really bad weather last week. We had about, I'm sure you guys did too, we had about six or seven inches of snow on Thursday, and it was it was mostly gone away by the time uh, Saturday arrived, or you know, it was easy to, to get around anyway. And a, a pretty good crowd for that game. A little, a little bit disappointing after Vanderbilt had gone to Arkansas on Tuesday and really played well and, and come out of there with a win. And you think, okay, you got some momentum to come back home and, and play South Carolina, maybe make it a two and zero start. But uh, credit Carolina with some good defense there at the end on that final play, and you know, kind of an, an accumulation of little things for Vanderbilt that, that probably cost them the game. They'd won four straight before that. What uh, have they been doing better during this recent stretch of success? Uh, I think, Tom, a lot of it is good defense. That, that's one area this team and program has really improved from, from last season to this season, uh, just defending a whole lot better and, and playing the way that uh, Jerry Stackhouse wants them to play and the, the rotations and things that he talks about defensively. You'll see some man, you'll see some zone, they'll mix it up and give you some you know, three-quarter court pressure at times and uh, different sorts of, uh, of presses. So um, I think he's been very pleased in that regard, and, and that, that was a big factor. And uh, the game in Hawaii against BYU felt like a turning point for this team. Got a stop there at the end uh, when, when BYU had a chance to tie or win. And same thing against Arkansas. Arkansas had a, had a three-pointer at the buzzer to try to win the game after they'd had a chance to tie and an 87% free-throw shooter only went one out of two from the stripe. But uh, Vanderbilt defensively has done a good job. The, the, the three-point shooting has been a bit of a head-scratcher at times. It's come and gone. And, uh, as you know, I, it's funny for Kentucky, that that's not nearly as big of a factor as maybe it is uh, some other years. 
for Vanderbilt, three-point shooting is huge. Uh, the Commodores, you know, shoot it at a good clip. Uh, it, it makes all the difference for this team. And, you know, some games they shoot it really well, and some teams, some games the, the threes don't go in. The offense becomes a little bit more of a grind. So uh, I, I think when you look at that four-game win streak, they really played well. They beat Austin P and then went out to Hawaii, uh, beat Hawaii, held off BYU, would have had a chance to play Stanford in the, in the championship game of the Diamond Head Classic. And, uh, that game got uh, post, or got canceled, I should say, but and then went to Arkansas and won. So yeah, I think the defense and some good shooting, and then Scotty Pippen Jr. Uh, shown the ability to, to take over games at times, you know, especially in a, in a key stretch. Tell me about uh, Scotty's season, how it's gone. He came back for another year, and um, uh, he uh, has certainly uh, had some good games against Kentucky. He, he has. He's had a nice season. Um, yeah, I think everyone was pleasantly surprised maybe when he decided to come back last summer. You know, sometimes the uh, the best additions to your roster are guys that are already there, and uh, they, uh, that was certainly the case for Vanderbilt. But I think for him, he wanted to, to come back and, and have a chance to win and, and, and you'll feel like he, you know, whenever he does decide to, to leave and, and go try the, the NBA that, uh, you know, he'll leave on a, on a positive note in terms of the team and the program. And, uh, he, he's really, uh, I, I, you, you've seen his game develop a lot. Um, and, and I think having others who can bring the ball up the floor really help him. Uh, Rodney Chapman, who's a transfer from Dayton, he, he's been out a whole lot of the season with injuries. And he, he's come back for these last handful of games. And when he's in the game, it makes a big difference for Scotty because you can play him off the ball. He doesn't have to bring the ball up the court every time. And, and it just seems like it uh, gives him, <clears throat> excuse me, a little bit of freedom. And gosh, teams throw every kind of defense imaginable at Scotty. And, you, know, you see double teams, and if he gets beneath the basket, they they really collapse on him. Uh, but you know, he's a pretty good shooter from the outside. He's terrific at the free throw line, even though his uh, percentage is a little bit down this year. But you know, just driving, and getting to the basket, and getting fouled is really where he's the most effective. And you know, you've seen him at that game in Arkansas. They posted him two or three times on the left block, and he made a nice move and got to the to the basket. So uh, just really, I, I think you've just seen his game really rounded to form in, in lots of different ways, and and, and really sort of a, a quiet leader on this team too, with the way he goes about his business. Really, really a nice and and pleasant young man. You mentioned the improvement on defense, averaging uh, seven, forcing seventeen turnovers a game. Teams are scoring an average of 62 a game. Um, what has uh, driven the, the defensive improvement? Any, any change in, in what they're doing you know, strategically, or is it uh, somebody, a uh, personnel addition? Um, I, I don't know that it's a whole lot you know, strategically that's different. I, I think um, you know, the, the, the roster looks a little bit different than it did last year. Um, like most every team in the country, Vanderbilt had some departures and had some additions. Um, they added some pretty pretty talented uh, couple of freshmen in Shane Dezoni and, and Gabe Dorsey. Um, but I, I think most of all, it's just I think a lot of it for this team is is these. It's a pretty tight knit group off the court, and I think they they really enjoy playing for one another. And um, I, I think that's an area where this this team and program has improved from from last season to this season. Uh, they also made a couple changes on the coaching staff. Uh, Ed Conroy and Michael Curry came in, and they're, they're guys who have been head coaches other places, and you know a, a lot of experience. A little bit older guys who uh, you know, were, were added to the staff with Adam Azari, who's a you know really good at doing the, the scouting and all those sorts of things. So I, I think overall, it all just kind of goes together, and you've just seen the, these players that they came back from last season to this season, uh, you know, really take a step forward and develop. Uh, guys like Miles Studi and Quentin Malora Brown, uh, they, they're they're certainly improved from last year. With, you know, last year was kind of a, a strange season for everybody, and I, I think for you know for some of these guys, 
you know, affected by COVID and everything else that was going on last year, I, I think just having a more and I know this last little stretch here hasn't been super normal, but a, a more normal season has helped too. And uh, Studi and, and Jordan Wright have really reshaped their bodies too in the off season. And I think that's been a big plus. But I, I think just knowing what they're supposed to do and and executing it better has uh, has been a big factor defensively for this group. Well, the the trend on the sidelines uh, these days is a much more casual look for coaching staffs. <laughs> but uh, Jerry Stackhouse continues to uh, toe the line of sartorial splendor. And I saw the notes that for him. That's a tribute to Dean Smith. It is, yes, um, <clears throat> yeah. Coach Stackhouse, uh, he, he brings it. it there's no uh, three quarter zip pullover or anything like that for, for Stack most of the time. You know, we went to Hawaii, and uh, you know they, they went a little more casual in Hawaii. It's like surely Stack's not going to wear the three piece suit. When we're out in Honolulu, and uh, they, they went two and zero. So I wondered, if, like maybe you know, does this change his way of thinking a little bit? But uh, when we got back to the mainland, it was right back to the. Uh, to the uh, fancy suits and you know the thing about stack is man you know he, he can pull it off you know not, oh I yeah if you, if you put me out there in a three-piece suit i don't know that it would look that great but, but stack you know what, whatever he wears is gonna look great but you're right it is a, a tribute to dean smith you know he played for coach smith uh, back in the 90s and um he, he, he said as much that uh, you know dean was even for practice i guess uh, coach smith was always dressed uh, you know very nice and, and everything else but uh yeah it's funny how that's changed over the last couple of years man you used to see you know if you saw a coach that wasn't wearing a suit uh, it was unusual and now these days if you see one who is uh you know wearing a suit or a suit and tie or whatever it's, it's much different I, I never really understood uh for for a lot of reasons why why coaches really wore suits on the sidelines that always looked to me like it'd be more comfortable to wear a you know, a pullover or something like that. But, uh, yeah, that's, that's been interesting to watch here over these last couple of years. Kevin, thanks. See you tonight. Hey, anytime, Tom. Uh, I really appreciate the time. Kevin Ingram, radio play-by-play voice of the Vandy Commodores. We'll close it out when we come right back on the Leach Report, served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington. One other uh, note. Our Wildcat news, Darius Smith has been cleared to return from the injured list, so he's good to go for the Packers when the playoffs start for Green Bay. They're the top seed, so that won't start until next week, but uh, good news for Darius Smith. Happy to, to see that. It's going to do it for the Leach Report. Uh, tomorrow, Dick Gabriel will be hosting us. We'll be getting back in late from uh, Nashville, and uh, he'll uh, recap Kentucky Vandy on the show tomorrow. Have a great day, everybody, and uh, we'll see you Next time on the Leach Report Radio Network. Thanks for listening to the Leach Report. Make sure you check out the podcast page at TomLeachKY.com whenever you miss a show.